I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we have a mid-season special here for you folks. I know we just passed match week 20, not 19, but we'll count it anyway. Uh, We have Dave Hendrick joining us, uh, and we're going to be talking about all things uh, from this first half of the season, team of the year stuff, team of the half year, I suppose. Turtles on a half shell. I don't know where I'm going with this. But uh, as I mentioned, we do have Dave Hendrick with us. Of course, you'll know him from this show, Total Football and Anfield Index. What's going on, Dave? Not much, Kev. Not much. Um, a day off work is a day of podcasting these days. So <laughs> glad to do this one. This one is uh, this one's always fun. Yeah, uh, we tend to talk a whole lot. We've actually been talking for about... Uh, 40 minutes before we even got into the content here. Um, But I guess we'll just lead off with your initial impressions of this half season thus far. Chelsea obviously are amazing. Liverpool will touch in greater depth (laughs) after we get to this topic because we don't want to railroad this with just Spurs and Liverpool stuff, which we invariably would do. Uh, But Chelsea, the most impressive for you thus far? Yeah. I mean, they obviously started a little bit slowly, had that minor blip. The draw with Swansea, the defeats to Liverpool and Arsenal, but you know then they were phenomenal. Thirteen game win streak. Obviously, you guys stopped that with a brilliant <laughs> win for Spurs. All credit to Pochettino, just tactically superb. Had the team so well prepared. Um, matching the three four three was an inspired move. Um, but Spurs, like I've heard people say, oh well, like to win thirteen games in a row and only be five points clear, they must be disappointed. But consider the fact that when they started this 13-game win streak, they were in eighth position mm. and they were eight points off top. So in 13 games, there was a 13-point swing. That's incredible. Like yeah. That's absolutely incredible. So I don't think they'll be in any way upset. Um, I think they knew they were going to lose eventually. And, you know, a, a game against Spurs is probably a better one to lose than maybe losing at Anfield against Liverpool, where that would shrink their lead at the top to two points. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I think I think they'll bounce back. I think they might strengthen in this window. But the job Conte has done there is is phenomenal, and not having European football is obviously benefiting them and Liverpool massively yeah. uh, because the players just look that bit fresher. Obviously, Chelsea have good squad depth. They're recalling Nathan Aki from Bournemouth. Kurt Zuma is now fit again, so that strengthens them even more. Um, they now never need to play John Terry again, which is obviously great. Um, so, you know, I've been really impressed with Chelsea. I think I think they look like it, it, the team that's going to win the league this year. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. Uh, in large part, and this will be no shock to you as a Liverpool fan, it's because uh, the defence isn't good enough. Liverpool going to score goals. I think you're still first yeah. in, in goal scored. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how you deal with January. Every I know this narrative has already been driven into the ground, but uh, what's going to happen with Mane gone? Are we just assuming that Lalana is going to shift out wide now that Coutinho's back? God, I hope not. I know, I know. He's been doing so well further centrally. And people seem to forget Lalana was garbage the last two years when asked to play that role. Now I know he did okay against Man City, but he was just okay. Um, I think he has to play in that midfield role. It's the only position. He's ever played for Liverpool where he's looked like, you know, a player worthy of the shirt. Um, I still don't fully buy into this being his level. I think this is just a run of form. We've seen this before from, you know, players like Aaron Ramsey. Long ago, we saw it from the likes of Rob Lee, Mm. where if you put them in the right position and give them very specific instructions and a very detailed, um, you know, job description that these are the three things you do, Make sure you do these three things and you'll get the rewards. And that's what Klopp's done. And Klopp deserves all the credit for Lallana's form. Mm. Uh, I don't want to see Lallana moved into that front three. If, if it's not going to be him, um, Sturridge can play in the front three. Origi could play wide. We have Shea Ojo could play wide. But really and truly, we, we need to go and buy somebody. We need to go buy multiple players. We need a centre-back as well because Dejan Lovren remains garbage. Um, our defence is, is the reason we're not top of the league. It's cost us too many points. And um, it's going to cost us the title this year, in my view, because I think if we had a defense that was even average, mm. I think we'd I think we'd win the league. But we don't. We have a below average defense, who below behind any other team would be a bottom half defense. Like they're they're protected so well by what's in front of them. Mm. Um, they they're just they're not very good at all. I mean, look, Matip and Klein are fine. And if they were your third and fourth best defenders, you'd you'd be in good shape. But when they're your best two defenders, well, Sacco's the best defender at the club, but he's you know not, not, not playing. <laughs> yeah. He's not really at the club. Um, when they're your two best defenders, you're in trouble. You're not going to win things with those two as your two best defenders, especially when the other two are a left back who's not a left back. He's a midfielder. He's a winger. Like mm. James Miller's a winger. And Dayan Lovren isn't a footballer. I don't know what he is, but he's not. He's a clown. He's not a footballer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's there's a little bit of Liverpool talk to tide you guys over till the end of the show. Uh, but something I was really interested in doing with you was this kind of team of the half season um, because we have just passed the halfway point, and there have been some pretty big surprises. Um, if you go first, then I'll end up disagreeing with you. So I'll go first, and then you can pick right. it apart. Um, so what I did was I decided to take basically names out of it. So I'm not going with the best talent, 11. I'm saying the people that had the best half season thus far, um, with one possible exception, because I think Ake might deserve to be in there, and he's not. But uh, up front, Alexis Sanchez. You could go Diego Costa, but I needed to fit a whole lot of wide players in here. So I'm going with Alexis up front. Uh, I'll talk about him a lot more here in a little bit. But he has been so crucial to what Arsenal are doing. Otzel is not having a very good season. Um, uh, the player that was infinitely better than uh, Victor Wanyama, Granit Xhaka, not automatically holding down a spot and not exactly covering himself in glory when he plays. The defense has been letting him down at times. But Alexis has been the shining standard for Arsenal thus far. And uh, you know what? No, let's just get into it. It's kind of the point of the show. Is Alexis Sanchez the best attacking player in the Premier League right now? It's him or Eden Hazard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think Coutinho's in the debate, but he's been out injured for the last month. Yeah, which is so, why I had to leave Toby out of this. Yeah. Obviously, no. he's up there because of name, and that's why I had to clarify that. But for this half but, season... 
that's it. And, and Toby was great before he got injured. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Sanchez probably is because he just has a little bit more to his game than Hazard, I believe. Now he's he's obviously a couple of years older, mm. so he's got a little bit more, you know, experience. He's obviously been around as well. Like he was at Udinese, he went to Barcelona, he learned a lot, I think, from Messi and the players there and then he comes to Arsenal and like you say he's carrying that team because whether Arsenal fans want to accept it or not their defence is not good like those two centre-backs are two of the most overrated players I've ever seen um, Bell- Bellerin is overrated as well uh, he's just a sprinter masquerading as a football player Peter Cech is great and remains great and he's saving them at the back but like you say Xhaka just like a non-entity this season a couple of good goals and Arsenal fans got all excited the guy has talent don't get me wrong he's got a lot of talent he's not a defensive midfielder though he's never been an actual you know know what he feels like to me Schneiderlin where he's kind of like caught between two positions he doesn't have good enough positional sense or discipline to play as a defensive midfielder Mm. that's why Havard Nordved played defensive midfield for most of Xhaka's time at Gladbach then it became Mo de Hood. And Mo de Hood is just a more talented player than Granite Jacket. Granite Jacket is a good player, but he needs that freedom. Xhaka, for me, is is actually. I mean, you, you mentioned the Spur, like there was a lot of talk that, oh, he's much better than Wanyama. But the player in the Spurs team that he's more like is Dembele, in mm. that, yes, he can do you a lot of good from a defensive point of view. But you need to give him that freedom to express himself and get forward and, and involve himself. Um, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Strootman in that respect as well. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good shot. But, but he hasn't been good this season. Aaron Ramsey hasn't been good this season. Mesut also looks like he's checked out. Yeah. Mesut also looks like he's already left Arsenal in his mind. Now, Where's he has left? said, he, you know, he said that if Wenger resigns, he'll resign. And maybe that will motivate him to play again. But, like, it's such a shame because, for me, in terms of a pure creative number 10, there's nobody better in the world yeah. when they're on full form than Mesut Also, He's just – he's beautiful. And to he watch. finally he got was, there last year. Yeah. After being disappointing. He, was, he yeah. was phenomenally good last year. For for two-thirds of the season, he was arguably the player of the year. Um, He was wonderful last season. And he just – he's fallen off a cliff this year. And it, it does, it just looks like a mental thing that he doesn't want to be there or that he's, you know, he's not 100% committed because maybe he's thinking beyond this season and he's worried that if he commits himself 100%, he could get injured and what knock-on effect that will have. Which ironically, and not to get into any egg syndrome, but the easiest way to get hurt is not going 100%. Exactly, exactly. Uh, big shout, Raymond Verhein. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, I, you know, I think, I think Sanchez is carrying that team and it's not just the goals, it's the work rate, it's the attitude, it's it's a lot of what I saw when Luis Suarez was at Liverpool Kev. It's it's his desire to win games, his refusal to accept anything less than a hundred percent from his teammates, and them all looking at him and thinking, Well my god, this guy's much better than us and look at the effort he's putting in. Like he could float by a natural talent mm. and still be one of the ten best players in the league. But instead, he's driving himself and pushing that team forward. And he's arguably at the, ha- the halfway point. He's arguably the player of the year so far. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been, I've been incredibly impressed with him. Uh, <clears throat> on my right flank, 
I have a player that you and I both questioned a little bit when he signed for Liverpool, but then mm-hmm. it's turned into just an absolute revelation. His pace is exactly what Liverpool needed. His creativity, the way he runs the channels, has just opened everything up. That's Sadio Mane. Um, and, and if there's a player... <laughs> I don't know if there's a player I missed more on in the offseason. Of, of what I expected to what we got. Well, the, the, look, the, nobody ever questioned that Mane was a good player. There was a couple of issues. Number one, for the last three seasons at Salzburg and then and then at Southampton, he has disappeared from the end of October to the beginning to mid of March. Mm. He's just been a non-factor, and he had a terrible month in November. He was awful in November. He scored a couple of goals against Watford, but he was awful in that game as well. And I was worried that we were seeing this trend continue with Mane, that he was just going to fall off the face of the earth. We wouldn't see anything good from him again until mid-March. Um, but he had a great December, and he has been phenomenal for Liverpool this season. Um, the other issue was everybody, I, me, everybody, we expected Jurgen Klopp to go four-two-three-one this season with Mane wide on the right as mm. an out-and-out winger, a role he's never looked good in before. He's never had any success playing that role. Yeah. But instead, he's playing as an inside forward in a 4-3-3, which is a very different role. He's much closer to being a striker than a winger in this role, and it suits him down to the ground. And he's spark, like, he, he has worked up such a good relationship with Firmino and with Coutinho that it's just like the, the weaknesses that are in his game, they disguise. Like He's not a naturally creative player. But if you put him in the right positions, he'll make good decisions. And he's he's been excellent this season. He really has. Um, I, I I think you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody now who'd question what Liverpool paid for him, especially given the way the market went. I mean, at the time, it looked like a massive overpay for a couple of reasons. But when you see then Yannick Balassi went for about £28 million, who isn't very good at all, um, 34 for Mane is absolutely fine and, you know, at the time, even even when I had massive doubts, I was okay with the price given what Balassi went for. But uh, Mane has been has been spectacular. Yep, absolutely agree with you there. Uh, out left, it's the other player that you could say is the best attacker in the Premier League. That's Eden Hazard returning to form, being his his sublime self yet again. Uh, unfortunately, he refound it against Tottenham last season. It was really the match where. It ended our title hopes, but it was like, oh, that Eden Hazard. Oh, this guy. Remember him? He was good. I mean, there were honestly times last year when his brother was better. And that's not a slight on on Torgan, but... Torgan's a decent player, but he's not not Eden-like. And the thing is, Eden came into the league and immediately was one of the best players. And in the year they won the league, he he was the best player in the league, in my view. Remember that Um, time when Eden Hazard flirted openly with Tottenham for half a season? And then went yeah. to Chelsea instead, just because they beat Bayern. Just because Robin missed a freaking penalty. I'm not still riled up about that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, probably the worst announcement of where you're going in the history of the world. I will be joining the champions of Europe. Well, best of luck to you, buddy. Mm. Um, yeah, like I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a player of his level have as bad a season as he did last year, and then um, bounce back. Because we've seen and, people yeah, fall off before, but he was like, thing. ah, it was an off year. But not not at that age, Kev. I've never seen anyone at 24, 25 just completely fall off the cliff mm. from 
the best player in the league to a guy that you're wondering should he even be in the team anymore? Well, I didn't I didn't think this last year, but um, Mares. Hmm. Yeah. Similar I mean, age, but, similar position. But then Mares had one great season in a career that's been fairly average. True. That's true. Um. So for him, it was kind of the opposite. Maybe he just. Maybe it was like a space jam thing, and he stole all of Eden Hazard's powers. And then <laughs> I like it. Hazard got they them both back. wear Hazard blue. They accidentally swapped kits. Exactly, that must be what it is. Mars had some special um, sauce, special stuff. They're both Muslims. <laughs> um, Hazard has been phenomenal this season. He really, really has. He's back to his very best, and he's he's a really fun player to watch. Um, he's got, you know, his balance, his quick feet, his ability to kind of weave in and out of players. It's, it's just, it's, it's. A, he's on a different level to most players. Um, but this front three that we're mentioning, like they have all been so good this season. And there are other players, Kev. Like I think Firmino deserves mention because I think he's been great for us. You mentioned Diego Costa; he's been so good. I think Coutinho would be in this mix, but he's been obviously good. been out injured for the last month. Mm. Um, I think Zlatan deserves mention because he's carried United's attack at times. Yeah, although uh, it's gotten boring talking about Zlatan, kind of like he's living yeah. up to his reputation, and for some reason that's become boring because everybody was so quick to the hot takes of like, "Oh, see, he is old; he can't do it anymore," and then he can. It's kind of like, duh. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's one of the best players of the last fifteen years. Mm. Should we really be surprised that in a league? <laughs> where most teams can't defend he's scoring goals I, I don't think we should um you know like harry kane has has had some you know really great moments for you guys and this is the most Aguero. goals he's had in the first half of a season by the way yeah, like i know a lot you know? of people were crapping on him but if he does what he usually does in the second half he well could win the golden boot again yeah but like let's remember he missed he missed a big chunk of the season True. as well yeah um aguero obviously has had you know pretty good season, but again, like he hasn't been injured. But what's he missed seven games through suspension or something crazy? Yeah, yeah it was a three and a four. Yeah, you know, so so you have you have to leave them out because in a twenty game half season that we're talking about now, if you've missed you know over a quarter of that, you, you can't be in this discussion. Right. Um, that's why if when we do the second half of the season, if we, rather than doing a full season, if we did a second half of the season. I'd automatically be ruling out Mane because he's going to miss those games yeah. being at the African Cup of Nations. If Although it Senegal. is, it is worst case, only going to be three Premier League matches because, because we have the FA Cup. Uh, the FA Cup is. and Liverpool have the, the, the Cup or the League Cup semi-final. So oh, right, for, right. Us, for us, he'll miss... Oh, he's already missed one. He'll miss three Premier League games at most, two semi-finals, and he could potentially miss another two FA Cup. Well, he'll definitely miss at least one FA Cup game, possibly two more. So, like, he's missing a lot of Liverpool games, but there are only three of them are, like, league games. So, yeah, yeah I mean, from that respect, it's not too bad, but it is just, it's one of the, I hate the way the African Cup of Nations has to run in the winter because it's, yeah. oh, just, oh like, don't worry, me. 2020's whole World Cup is going to be that. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll get nice and angry about that then. Uh, so uh, it sounds like there was a lot of agreement though uh, with mine. So you're just sticking with that? Yeah, I go with the same front three. Like I say, not of the cap to Firmino, not of the cap to Diego Costa, um, Kane, Aguero, Coutinho, worthy of mention. But obviously they've missed 
um, substantial games. I think Sterling has had uh, a pretty good season for City so far. Um, Theo Walcott, a little bit surprisingly yeah. good this season, kind of yeah, sneaky true. good. Um, I mean, he's good in that yeah. everybody's worried about Sanchez, way. Right? But, I mean, that's kind of the pretty point close. of playing such yeah, a dynamic player helped. up front. Exactly. And, I mean, I'm, there's a guy we'll probably mention when we talk about midfielders who is benefiting from the fact that other players in his team terrify opposition defenders so much that he just skates by unnoticed and gets a lot of chances um so you know like it it is one of those things where walcott is benefiting from just how great sanchez has been in that defenders two and three defenders at once are going to sanchez and it's leaving walcott 1v1 with his pace which is exactly how liverpool almost won the league a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. suarez would terrify two defenders and then sturridge and um, and Sterling would get to play 1v1 and it's very very hard to stop both of those guys 1v1 yeah. so it just creates weird weird matchups and weird opportunities for them I have a very strong feeling that we're going to have very different midfields for what you just said um, but the first one and this is somebody that I talked about a little bit in the preseason maybe not enough but hopped on as soon as I started seeing glimpses and that's Matty Phillips who has been insane for West Brom now he, he always had a decent enough cross on him that you could expect chances created. But mm. he's scoring some goals and some very good goals. He's playing well with Solomon Rondon, who I think had been slept on for far too long. Um, I, I thought that was, uh, <laughs> unlike Benteke to Liverpool, Rondon to West Brom was one of the most obvious Inspired. fits. Yeah. And, oh, well, first of all, yes, the fact that they got him was insane. And then the fact that people disregarded him because they were like, oh, he's West Brom level was weird. He had nine goals last season. Like yeah. this, he didn't do nothing, and that's in a team that was bottom five in chance creation. Like he puts the ball in the net. He has a hat trick of headers this season. He's in a one really match. Good He's mid, a like mid to upper mid table striker. Yeah, that's I, his level. Yeah, you know? um, and, and the thing it. about him is, is that he creates chances for others as well. Like he does a lot of the dirty work mm-hmm. that enables others to score goals. He's not selfish. You know, he's happy to lay on the pass for a teammate remember the Chadley goal earlier this yeah. season when Rondon went through one on one could have scored but drew the keeper played the simple side foot and Chadley who'd run probably 60 yards at that point gets the simple tap in and that's what makes Rondon the type of player that a lot of managers will like to have if you have a certain team around him like I look back at say the Liverpool team when we had Michael Owen and the perfect strike partner for him was Emil Heskey. Now, Emil Heskey's largely ridiculed by a lot of people, but he was the perfect partner for Owen because he did all the grunt work that Owen didn't do. Mm. Like, when when Diego Costa was at Atletico Madrid and he was playing with Falco, he was that type of player. Now, yeah. he was, he obviously, as we've seen since, he's, since he had the season without Falco at Atletico and since he's come to Chelsea, he's capable of far more, but he was happy to do that grunt work. And, Rondon is basically your poor man's Diego Costa. Or your very, very rich man's Victor Anichebe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I love Rondon, but Matty Phillips, first of all, $6 million from QPR has instantly become one of the best creators. And, and I know like you could argue this is form, but it's been like two months now. And, and I think everyone knew that the tools were there. It's just that he's finally putting it together. Um, Dan, who comes on uh, from formerly Baggies Facts, now it's 1878 WBA, which as far as rebranding go is a lot more confusing. <laughs> but um, 
he was benched in a match, and then basically after that, just really turned on. And I, I just think it's very important to point out because part of the point of this whole show, this whole channel to begin with, was that you only ever hear about the big clubs. And that, that was basically our mission statement, was that we wanted all teams to be represented. And I think in the spirit of that, and based on how he's been playing, we, we need to talk about Matty Phillips. And here's my question for you. So he's at $6 million, was what Ooh. he was brought in for. Who, if anyone, was a better summer signing for value? Um, the only one... Now, Joel Matip was a free transfer. Yeah, well, free's so, get a little weird because Ibra was free, and that's like... Yeah. A- you know, but but then Ebra's on like four hundred grand a week. <laughs> so when you factor it, so, so for me, that's the thing. Matip is on probably fifty, sixty k a week at Liverpool. I would imagine Matty Phillips is probably on about twenty k yeah. at West Brom. So when you factor that in as well, I mean, there's there hasn't been many. I mean, that's great value. Yeah, my my argument was Wanyama, but that's double the price. Double the price and at least triple the wages. Yeah. So Wanyama for sure is, is was incredible value, um, but Phillips for what you're getting at 25, so not even in his prime, um, coming into at this this team that because of the setup of this team and the type of players around him, it enables him to play with a bit more freedom because they'll do the graft, and like let's not pretend he doesn't work hard. He's a hardworking player, but he's not. He's not been demanded to, you know, work up and down constantly like a typical Pulis player. He's been given that bit more freedom and he's really come into his own. And, like, it, you know, it's taken him six years to really get to this level. Because I remember when he first kind of came on the scene and then he went, I think he was at Wickham and then he went to Blackpool. I could be wrong about mm. that. Yeah, no, he was at, yeah. yeah. I think he was at Wickham and he went to Blackpool. And everybody, everybody knew this, this was a really talented young kid, but. Blackpool has been a mess for a long time. Number of manager changes. He had some injury problems. Um, when they were in the Premier League, he, he couldn't keep himself fit. Then he went to QPR, and they've just been a car crash for the last few years. So many different managers. Again, injury problems. Now he's at a club where it's a stable environment. You have a manager who is settled who will probably be there for at least the next couple of years. Um, You have a a group of experienced players. There's not a lot of turnover at West Brom. They're not the type of team that will sell 10 and buy 12 in the summer. They'll sell a couple, they'll buy a couple, but they keep their core together. That stability and that environment around him is really enabling him now to start to show the talent that a lot of people pictured him having a few years ago. As well as that, he's been able to stay fit. And he has that focal point in Rondon that he can play off. Now, if they find a way to get Chadley into that team on a regular basis, the three of them together can definitely create a lot of, of good for them. But they're eighth in the league, so there's no real need for them. Eighth in the league for West Brom would be an enormous achievement. They're basically two wins from safety. Yeah. In January. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and, and like <clears throat> without meaning to poke fun, and I'm certainly not doing that, a club like West Brom, their goal at the start of the season is Premier League survival. Yep. Everything else is a bonus. They might talk a big game about finishing you know, top half, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they just need to stay in the Premier League because they're a club that is run to a budget that requires them to stay in the Premier League. 
They're a quite a well-run club. They've had, you know, a couple of up and down seasons. Before that, they were a bit of a yo-yo club, but now they found some some stability. They've got a manager in Pulis who, while not, you know, he has a high floor. We won't talk about yeah. the ceiling. <laughs> That's it. He's got a low ceiling but a pretty high floor. They will finish somewhere between eighth and twelfth this year. That's a really good season for them. And they're fun this to watch goes, now. They are fun to watch, Kip. That's the thing. Like I tune they're in on purpose. <laughs> they're very unpulous like. Yeah. And it's almost like he's kind of realized that you know, you don't have to play football the way it was played in the nineteen sixties <laughs> just to stay in the Premier League. There are enough bad teams in the league. I think this is what Pulis has realized. There are enough Be bad teams you. in the league that they, that they can take chances. Hmm. And when they take chances, they, they have paid off for them this season. And as you say, Phillips has been absolutely key to this. He has been excellent. Now, he's not in my half team of the season. Hmm. Because, like, it, it, for me, he wasn't all that impressive September, October. I think November, yeah. December, he's been excellent. But for me, over the, just the course of that, I, I, I don't think he's in... I don't think over the course of the four and a half months or so the mm. season so far, he's, he's showed that consistent level. Now, if he continues to show it for the remainder of the season, he has a real, real chance of being in the team of the season. Yeah, because I, I think, I think the one thing that can hold him back is for some reason, wingers are just turning it on in the, in the Premier League this season. Like, wide players are dominating everything. Fullbacks can't defend in the Premier League. True. Like, who are the two best fullbacks in the Premier League? Uh, Realistically, they're both Tottenham and Danny Rose. Yeah. And neither of them are particularly great defensively. They work well in a really good. Also, defense. yeah, you mentioned the the three at the back that Tottenham are using now. Walker and Rose were always wingbacks. Now yeah. we're just playing a formation that lets them do that. And my issue with Wanyama is how limited he is as a player. But in the three at the back, with him just protecting that back line, he's doing the thing he's best at only. Yeah. And, like, it's... So you do that, then you've got four guys defending, and everybody else can go forward. Mm-hmm. Everybody else can go forward. Because because the way Eric Dyer can play right back, he's played right back in the, mm-hmm. in the past. True. Jan Vertonghen can play left back, he's played left back in the past. Wanyama can play centre-back. He's played centre-back in the past. So that that three-and-one can very, Oh, and the other one's Toby Alderweireld, you know. And the other one's happy to be the two best centre-backs in the league. <laughs> right. So, so that three-and-one can easily become a flat four when they need it to be so that they're not risking getting caught out in the wide positions. That's the one thing that they have over that Chelsea back three. Yeah. Is that if Chelsea it's, go it's to talent, back three... Which is well, credit look, to Conte. Aspilicueta for me, the three best defenders in the league are Van Dijk, Alderweireld, and Aspilicueta. You can you can actually list them in any in any order, and I won't disagree because Aspilicueta is probably the best overall defender, but the other two are brilliant as well. Oh, also, <coughs> um, I, I mentioned this I think on the fantasy show, and I think it should mention here because I had a lot of Tottenham fans talking to me about how awful Aspilicueta was. His positioning was not the problem. He was abandoned on the first one, yeah. and he just happens to be 5'11 on the second one. That's the thing. There's no issue but height. I think he's about 5'9. I think well, 5'11 would... is just one of those things <laughs> that where the list is as well. He was wearing well, his like... boots on cement, so you get yeah, that stud that's height. it. Like, that's probably where they <laughs> measured him. But like when Chelsea goes to that, yes, Kante is the one that drops in front. He can't play centre-back, and Gary Cahill sure as hell can't go to left-back. 
That's where he can Spurs barely have. play center back. <laughs> yeah, Gary Cahill is the weak link in that that Chelsea yeah. team, and it's not David Luiz, which is crazy. It's not David Luiz, which is, but David Luiz was always made for back three. True, he's never going to be playing in a back four and look good. Made for a back three. Um, if they get, if they bring, if they bring Aki back in and play him as the left sided centre back, so they go or, or if they bring Christensen Lu- back. Yeah, I mean they're loaded at the back. Like yeah. let's let's be fair, they're loaded. But <clears throat> for now, I think this is what separates Spurs is that they have that ability to move things. Yeah. You know, they can go three and one, or they can just drop to four and fill the fill the channels, and that's what's enabled it. But to back the original point, there's just there's, wingers are, are dominating in the Premier League this year because there just isn't. There's no the, the best fullback in the league is Aspilicueta, who's playing centre back. Yeah, he's the best right back and the best left back, but he's now <laughs> playing centre back in a back three, which means that like Nathaniel Klein's a, is a decent fullback. He's not great. He's not bad. You know, you look at Arsenal. Monreal is not great. He's not bad. Uh, Bellerin can keep up with most people because of his pace, but if they come in field, he gets lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. To be fair, uh, I think he, there is promise there. Uh, with if he I'm sure they'd hate it, but Kyle play. Walker, yeah, I mean, was a sham for like three years. Yeah, and then he met Pochettino. Yeah, and that's probably what Bellerin needs is to meet, <laughs> Pochettino. Meet like Bellerin Pochettino. to Tottenham. You heard it here first. <laughs> like, you know, if, if, I mean, if, if Diego Simeone landed at, at, at Arsenal in two years, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, everybody, everybody should be scared because he'll turn them into a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. But like that's why wingers are doing so well this season. It's just a lack of lack of good fullbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're seeing guys that would have been written off as all oh, mid-table player, average player, having really good seasons because there's no good fullbacks. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. So if you don't have Matty P in your central three, who do you have instead? No. I want to hear your three instead. Oh, God. This is going to be rough. Because I know you've never really rated him that highly. But he has been perennially let down by everyone else on his team. And his he has not really dropped off that much. Maybe a little bit of effort. Maybe a little bit of that Otzel thing. But from the beginning of the season, he's been leading the league in chances created, key passes. He's been up there in assists, in there in take-ons, crosses. You know, I tend to be kind of a stats guy. Um, Dimitri Payet has been almost as good as he was last year, and nobody's talking about it anymore because the talent around him is failing him. Kuyate is yeah. having an awful year. Uh, you mentioned Nordvite earlier. I thought that was an inspired bit of business. Has just done nothing of note for West Ham. The things that he has done of note have been negative things. Lanzini has yeah. taken a step back. Uh, the signing of Faguli, which I thought was a great one, hasn't worked. Andre Ayew, meh, scores against Swansea, but that's kind of a revenge thing. Yeah, I mean, Andy Carroll had four matchups that were, like, golden. Because he scored yeah. in his first game back, and then was like, oh, he could go on a run. Look at these upcoming fixtures. Did nothing in them. But Payet continues to put in good performances. And if you look at West Ham with him, and West Ham without him, 5-0 against Manchester City, you'll see the difference. You mentioned earlier that Liverpool's defense is almost... Um, made to look better because of how good the attack is. Without Dimitri Payet offering any resistance by going forward and just having the ball for a little bit, West Ham, I honestly think, would be relegated. I honestly think they'd be yeah, in about I bottom mean, they're three. Relic- right they're, they're just a disgrace without him this season. And, like, they're a disgrace regardless because that's a team that should be. Like, we, we just mentioned West Brom in eighth. West Ham should be eighth. The talent they have. What they were able to do last season, they brought back pretty much everybody of, of importance. 
They added what looked like some really good pieces, and they've just been an absolute clown show. And yeah. whether it's just that Billich is having a second season slump and he's finding it hard to figure things out the way he did last season, um, but I mean, you know, West Ham have just been shambolic this season now. Payet, I do agree. No, it's, it's not that I don't like him. I mean, I, I do think he's a good player. I just I don't think he's the player West Ham fans make him out to be. I mean, they think he's better than Phil Coutinho. He just isn't. Um, I, I think Payet's a good player who belongs at a better club than, well, like a, a better team than West Ham. I think West West Ham in terms of the club or, you know, they're a historic club, um, great traditions and, you know, they're really well supported. Uh, but... I just he belongs on a bigger stage than what they can pre- present him with. Uh, he has been really good this season. He is the only bright spark, and and to be totally honest, Kev, I think this is his last season with them because there's no way he's going to want to go through this again next year. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And and the Billich point is a very good one because Billich outclassed Pochettino twice last season mm. uh, in in tactics and, and the way he arranged his team, and it's just. Can that happen in one year? Like, it's just so crazy how successful he was in that regard. Because last season, you know, maybe they didn't have the talent. Lanzini was... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, had like a one-year kind of thing. We weren't really sure where that was going. The defense wasn't great. Like this year, dropping Adrian. Oh, uh, the one player that we haven't name-checked, Mikel Antonio, had the most headed goals in all of 2016. Which is a weird thing for a kind of pseudo winger wing back. He's played forward I have no also. Idea what he is? Yeah, me either. I watched that guy play, and I have no idea what he is. I don't know where he should play. You, you know what he is? I don't He's one of West Ham's eleven best players. I guess we're just gonna <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave it yeah. at that. Just put him That's somewhere. Just get him on the pitch. I'm gonna be honest. I did think he was a right back, and then we saw him in that like three game stint last season. I was like, oh god, no, nope. I was <laughs> super yeah, wrong he, about he's, that. He's, He'd probably do well as a wing-back. Um, I think he wants to be a centre midfielder, but I don't know that he's technically good enough on the ball to be a centre midfielder. But he, he's just a weird player. Like You can see he's got attributes, and then at the same time you just see these massive flaws that kind of would worry you if you were, uh, if you were the one who, who had to pick a team and put him in a position where he's, you're going to maximise what he can do and, and minimise you know, what he can't do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely an interesting one there. Then, at the base of this midfield three, 
I, I, this is so kitschy. I had, I, I'm not sure which way I want to go with this. Um, but Conte's presence is felt. You did mention he's less versatile than Wanyama, but the stability he's bringing in front of a Chelsea back three that is statistically the second best defense in the league, but is maybe sixth in talent. Like they are, they are not that talented of a group. The fact that Conte can keep them as clean as he has, and the credit to Matic as well, who has been given that free role that we were just talking about with uh, Strutman and and uh, Xhaka and the like. Um, because now that Matic is a little more free, he's able to mark people individually a little bit more. Um, but then the other player that still gets no love, and I don't do not understand this. I was high on him last year; thought it was a great signing. Uh, by Everton, that's Adrissa Guy or Ghana. He can't decide what name he, he wants has to use. Been he has been insane season. again because he was amazing last season, mm-hmm. but just because it was Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the thing with with Kante is he's positionally he's not great. He's a little bit wild. He he drifts out of position. He ball chases a little bit. What what? Uh, Antonio Conte has done brilliantly this season is he's put Matic in front of him. Matic is the real defensive midfielder and Conte then is almost like a free sweeper. Mm. So he just sweeps across. He's not... He's it's not like a defensive double pivot, if that exactly. makes any sense. Yeah, he's like he's like a sweeper that plays in front of his defence and he just sweeps across, covers all the ground, tackles everything that moves, but he's not been asked to play a static position at the start of the season he was and this was the problem and people were just playing season, around he, him yeah because yeah. because he didn't know where he was meant to be because it's not natural to him when he played last season he played with drink water and drink water played that static role and Conte just kind of roamed and was it was like a destroyer he was the schneidelin to drink water's poor impression of wanyama but obviously drink is better on the ball this season they've kind of it's the same concept but just switched in that Matic is playing the Wanyama role, but he's playing it in front of Kante, and Kante is just basically like a windscreen wiper, just over and back, over and back, wins the ball, gives it simply. He's He's been, since they lost to Arsenal, he has been exceptional. Before that, he was poor, but he has been exceptional since that Arsenal game, since the, since the game after Arsenal. He was a key component, and remember they've they've played that system with Sesk in it as well. Yeah, over Matic. Now I don't particularly like that midfield pairing of of Sesk and Kante, and I think they looked a little bit shaky at times when they had those two, especially when you've got Victor Moses as a wing back because he's not really a defender and doesn't really know what he's meant to be doing. As we saw with the two Spurs goals, he was completely lost. Um, but Kante has been excellent. Again, he's not in my team, but he is one that I mentioned that I would mention as having had a really, really good season. All right. Well, those were my three, uh, and like I said, I was a little bit cheating because I was going to include Guy as well. But yeah, you, know, you can only do one. And uh, if you look at all of 2016, which isn't the point of this exercise, so I don't know why I let it enter my thought process. Uh, at a certain point, Leicester's success and now Chelsea's success. Uh, you, you know, there's a common denominator there. Um, yeah. But uh, Italian coaches, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Italian coaches that everybody thought were going to succeed. Although you and I both loved Conte. Um, yeah. So it sounds like all three of our midfielders are different. So who do you got? Well, I, I actually went with a midfield four. There um, you go. 
with th- with three four three, I which I is believe the flavor of the month. So that makes sense. The flavor of the month. <laughs> um, I've gone for three four three. Um, I've gone for Kyle Walker as the right wing back. Um, I just I think over the last probably he's, he's Tottenham's eight, player of the half season. Easy. Yeah, and I think over the last eighteen to twenty four months, he has become the best right back in the country. Um, and he's a natural, as we said, he's a natural wing back because his first, second, and last thought is let me get forward, let me get forward, let me get forward. Um, but he has become, I don't think he's a great defender. I don't think, even think he's a good defender, but he's a competent defender. He doesn't hurt you defensively. He does not make that um, mistake. It used to be no, like every exactly. match he would make a mistake that exactly. killed you. But he doesn't make the mistakes anymore. Having Toby Alderweireld play inside, like into <laughs> his, his left, has helped massively. Now, obviously, Toby's been out for the last whatever length of time True. he was out for, yeah, and and Walker continued to perform at the same level. So that that shows that it's not just having the hand held. This is actually the player he's capable of being. I think he's been excellent this season. I think he does everything you would ask a modern right back to do. I think in the three four three, he has so much freedom. His pace is obviously a huge asset. He's not afraid to take people on. He's not afraid to try a risky pass. Um, uh, for me, Kyle Walker is my right wing back of the the half season. Mm. Um, going to the left, as we said earlier, I think Danny Rose is probably the best left back in the country. But I think Marcus Alonso has been really impressive yeah. for Chelsea since they went to three four three. He for me he's just one of those in their team that has really stood out. Doesn't do and I'm not a big fan. I think Baba Rockman, who they own, is is on loan at Chalke, is a better player. Hmm. But I think he has brought just a reliability to that role. And when I look for fullbacks, I want reliability. I want guys who, as you mentioned, Walker aren't going to make that mistake. They're going to give you seven to eight out of ten every single week. They're not going to make mistakes. They're going to use the ball well. They're going to make themselves available. They're going to make themselves, you know, an option on the overlap. And that's what Marcus Alonso does. And he doesn't get a lot of plaudits, but I think he's been really, really good. Now, if I was Chelsea, I'd still be, you know, making him the reserve next year and bringing back Boba Rockman. But I, I think Marcus Alonso deserves a lot of credit for Chelsea's form. And I think he's... He's really underrated on the ball, and I've seen times this season where, when they've been kind of pushing for a goal, they've almost gone three three four. Kante has stepped up, and it's, they've gone Kante, Matic, Alonso as a midfield three, and pushed Victor Moses up into the front into a front four, and because that's where Moses belongs, I mean, he is a natural a natural attacker. But I think that allows them. To, to do Moses at right wing back and the fact that Kante doesn't have to cover across for Alonso very often mm. means he can kind of just back up Moses more often I think that's really helped them so having that reliability on the left side has been for me a big factor in Chelsea's run so Marcus Alonso is who I would go with as my uh, my left wing back Yeah. so in the centre I'm going for the Spurs guy. Hey. I think you know who I'm going to say. I'm going to go for Wanyama. Yeah. Because 
for me, again, every week, he's seven and a half to eight out of ten. The Chelsea match that we just saw is one of the best defensive midfield performances you will ever see. He was flawless. And that's not a unique performance for him. He puts those performances in three, four, five times a season. He was exceptional. And what he does, and and Spurs' defense was very good last year, but it's great. The best in the league. And now it's still the best in the league. league. (laughs) Substantially. Yeah. And they lost Toby Alderweireld for months. How long did he miss? Two months? Yeah. And barely missed a beat. Yeah. Because Victor Wanyama protects that defense like his life depends on it. When he was at Celtic, he was phenomenal. <clears throat> Everybody, if you haven't Wait, did seen Did he score games, against Barcelona? He did indeed. Wow, I just had the he weirdest flashback. <laughs> he single-handedly put those Barcelona midfielders in his pockets and just crushed the life out of that, those two games. Mm. If you haven't seen those games, go and find them, watch them back. Wanyama, forget about passing the ball, forget about anything involved in playing in the opposition half. That's not what he does. Defensively, he is phenomenal. He is what Marcel Desailly was when he was a defensive midfielder. Positionally mm. incredible, protects his defence, doesn't make mistakes. He's not one of these defensive midfielders who rushes out to aid his full-backs. Instead, he drops back into the centre. He lets the centre-backs help the full-backs. That's how you're meant to play that role. This thing of running around like a headless chicken is, is, you know, is for people that don't know where they're meant to be standing. He knows where he's meant to be. And I think... He has been brilliant this season. Uh, for me, since he came to the Premier League, he's been the best defensive midfielder over that period of time. Mm. People can make an argument for Kante last season. People can make an argument for Matic the season before. I'll take Victor Wanyama. Yeah, that, that was our point, them. is that players have come and gone, but yeah. he's never been out of the top three, and other no. people have. That's it. Matic was terrible last year. Mm-hmm. Like, terrible. Um, Kante just doesn't have it. Kante is obviously he's probably better on the ball He's more dynamic, but he's and not more, as good more, defensively. Um, mobile as well. Yeah, more mobile, but he's not as good defensively. Certainly doesn't provide the protection that Wanyama does. Um, I think Wanyama's taken his game. Like, when he was playing under Poch at, at, at Southampton, he was I- exceptional. He was really good last season, not as good as the season before. This season, I think he's at his, he's bit better than he's ever been. Yeah. It's the Pochettino effect as well because he, he he knows Pochettino from Southampton. He trusts him. He's he knows it's a manager that wants him. He knows the manager that is happy to put up with his limitations. Is not going to try and force him like Kuman tried to force him to do things that weren't natural to him. Yeah. Poch doesn't ask which, that. Which is why Wanyama <laughs> got stranded so much because Wanyama had what four red cards last year. And a lot of that yeah. was just because he was constantly like just a little bit outside of well, his range. That's it. And you, you asked him to babysit the likes of Stephen Davies, who's not a Premier League player, and yet Kuman mm. had some sort of weird hard on for him and played him in every game. Yeah, wasn't he their captain for a little bit last season? Yeah, and he was with the sixth best centre midfielder they had. It was a Jordy, <laughs> Jordy Classy sitting on the bench scratching himself. Still, and this guy's marauding around the field. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Um, so yeah, Wanyama for me is a no-brainer. I oh, think uh, one perfect. last. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. There is one last thing on Wanyama. I did see some people saying uh, that it's kind of cheating because Wanyama already knew Pochettino's system. And while I will say, on an everyday, on a training field basis, it helps if you already know the terminology and everything like that. Obviously, mm. but we have not played 
quote-unquote Pochettino style this season. There was a stretch of eight matches where we played seven different formations. This is not just Poch's 4-2-3-1 call it a day. Like, there has been more of a mental aspect to this season than any season previous under Poch at Tottenham. I just think it's also yeah. worth noting that, like, the people that are like, oh, it's just plug-and-play from Southampton because of how he knew Poch then, I think is, is selling him short. Oh, it's not at all, and it is. It's selling him short. Um, what's really funny for me is when he was signed in the summer, you had very silly people saying, oh, well, he'll be a good, good backup for Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer is now the new star of England. He's England's defensive midfielder. As if Victor Wanyama wasn't going to wipe the floor with him every single day. Um, you know, Dyer is a decent defensive midfielder who was very good last season. Uh, but there's no comparison. Wanyama is on a different level. And that's why Eric Dyer is now a backup centre-back slash centre-back in a back three. Which is really where he belongs. Like, he is a centre-back. He's not a defensive midfielder. Eric Dyer is a centre-back. Yeah. So, in- enabling him to play... At centre back, this three four three just allows it allows Rose and Walker to play where they belong. It allows Dyer to play where he belongs. And Toby looks, you know, imperious in the middle of that back three. Um, I think I think Vertonghen is more comfortable in the three as well. Um, I think Spurs yeah. issues in the final third, but you know, regardless, we're seeing the evolution of Pochettino this year, and I think it's really exciting if you're a Spurs fan to see this guy experiment with his tactics oh for sure because that was his main issue yeah and you, you're, you're still top four like let's not forget we're 20 games through you're sitting in the top four yep. unbeaten so, through 13 yeah exactly was a good time. you know you're a pretty good team and and he's not just playing the same way all these other managers are kind of relying on their bread and butter and potch is still trying to figure out what his bread and butter is now his bread and butter will always be that defense but it's he now he's trying to figure out what goes in front of that defense how many defenders do I need? You know, what way does my midfield function? How does my attack function? And if you know, for Spurs, I think if I, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be getting maybe a little bit worried that someone will come and poach him in a couple of years. But it's very exciting for Spurs to have arguably one of the best young managers in the world. And actually, there's no argument; he is one of the best young managers in the world. Hmm. Yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, who's left there in that midfield? So, um. My other midfielder, I, I, early in the season it would have been LK Gundogan, but obviously the knee. Um, yeah, oh my gosh! What, I forget which Champions League match it was, but he was just like sublime, and I was like, oh no, yeah. here we go, Barcelona. Oh, he ran the game, yeah. Barcelona. He was phenomenal, and and he looked like he was settling in um, to have a great season. I'm sure some people will say Jordan Henderson is having a great season. Personally, I think he's he's having an okay season, and the, the stats that people are throwing out there are pretty much meaningless. Most completed passes, you know, what do you want? A blue Peter badge. Um, this idea of these forward passes, like forward passes is the worst stat going. It's right up there with tackles. It's an awful stat. If you play in a system where seven of your teammates are always in front of you, of course you're going to have lots of forward passes. <laughs> That's um, where they are. <laughs> I think Paul Pogba over the last two and a half months has really began to show what kind of player he is. And I think when we have this discussion at the end of the season, Paul Pogba will probably be the guy I'll have in this role. But for me, Ginny Wijnaldum, I just think he has been exceptional for Liverpool. He doesn't do the things that will get the headlines. He doesn't do the things that will catch your eye. But 
he's just he's so important to how Liverpool play. His his unselfishness, his willingness to do the hard work to allow others, you know, to get the the press and all that kind of stuff. His passing, the intelligence, and remember, this is a new role for him. He's learning this role on the fly. For me, he's the closest thing we've seen to Clarence Seedorf since Seedorf was in his prime, and he's been he's been for me our best midfielder. And that's a midfield where Henderson has been getting plaudits and Lalana has been getting plaudits. And if I had gone for a four three three, I probably would have picked Lalana, but. Wijnaldum just, I think he's been our best midfield player this year. I don't think he's had it. I think he's maybe had one game where he was below a 7 out of 10. But I think he's been a consistent 8 all season long. And if you saw Liverpool Man City, I think he was a 9, bordering 9.5. You could probably give him a 10, given he scored. He just does everything that is required to make that team tick going forward. He's so clever defensively. He's the one that sets the platform to allow Lalana, allow Henderson, allow that front three to press on and win the ball back, which is why when Gags does the pressing stats on Anfield Index, when Aldum doesn't show up all that well in the pressing numbers, it's because he's the one that doesn't press. He's the one that allows the others to press. Um, on the ball, he links the play so well. His movement is great. He makes unselfish runs that he knows he won't receive the ball. But by him making a run, he attracts a defender. He allows another person to receive the ball in more space. I just think Wijnaldum has been has been brilliant for Liverpool this season. Um, a lot of people may not agree. People that don't watch Liverpool every week will probably be going, Jesus, that's a bit of a weird pick. But I honestly think if you watch Liverpool play every game, I think you'll see what I mean. He's just so important to this team. I think, I think we've got ourselves a really good player. And I, th- I think he's going to be one that will will stick in the midfield. Mm. Like, for me, I look at that starting midfield, he's the only one I could see there next season. If I was, you know, if, if I was making the choices, I think Lalana's deserving of a shirt, for sure. He's had a great run of form, but I'd still be looking to upgrade on him. Um, Henderson, I'd still be looking to upgrade on. Wijnaldum, I, I don't think you need to upgrade. Could you? Absolutely. You could go and find a player who could that role maybe a bit better, but you'd be paying stupid money, and I don't think you need to do that. Ginny Wijnaldum and, and Victor Wanyama for me, the two best centre midfield players in the country this year. Hmm. Uh, it's, it sounds if you just replaced Wijnaldum with Dembele every time you said something, it would have been uh, basically the same yeah, point. And that's the thing. That's the yeah. kind of role he's he's playing for us. He's yeah. he's not the defensive one. He's not the attacking one. But he's the one that does all the rest of the stuff. And that, that you notice is missing when he's not there. Exactly. Yep. And there's an old saying, like, it was said about Busquets, it's slightly different about these two guys because they play different roles, yep. but if you watch the game, you might not see them, but if you watch them, you'll see the whole game. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like, yeah. Wijnaldum just does all the little bits and pieces that, without him, the system doesn't work. That's no, fine. I'm glad we got Sissoko instead. Um, for, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for my back, uh, we do kind of need to, to hustle a little bit here. Uh, but we will probably go a little bit over. I would apologize to you, but if you're still listening to this, clearly you want more. Um, I uh, fully agree with you on your Kyle Walker point. Uh, if I was going to do the other, th- if I went the formation you would have gone with, though, I was going to include Victor Moses, who has come out of nowhere to. F- it's kind of like the Michael Antonio thing. I didn't know where Moses was best, and now we've found out. 
Um, and just his pace yeah. and strength have been incredible. I do think he has a little bit of help. You know, the, you mentioned that uh, Conte doesn't have to drift over left. That's because he's drifting over right uh, a fair yeah. bit to help channel uh, Moses' man. But uh, just the the I mentioned earlier with um, Mane, the gap between what I expected from Victor Moses and what we're seeing is massive. Um, oh, it's like going out and buying a really shit car. And then Find you're driving own. down the road and, and all the panels fall off and all of a sudden it's actually a Ferrari underneath. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what it's been like. Because when I first saw Victor Moe, like the first game Chelsea went 3-4-3 with Moe's right wing back. Which was right was after the they phone. got rid of uh, Quadrado, who I spent yeah. the whole summer telling people they had to keep because of how much Conte loved him. 3-4-3. Yep. I was sitting on the phone, I was talking to a friend of mine back home and we were watching the game. I was like, look at this, Victor Moe's wing back. <laughs> And then we were about 20 minutes in, and I was like, "Oh my God. Moses is actually playing well here. <laughs> yeah. And here we are 14 games later, and Moses is still playing really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but again, for me, he, just, he wasn't in the team for the first six games of the season. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I went with Walker. I just think, I think Walker's better defensively as well. I think Moses is probably a little bit more productive in the final third because he's more used to playing. Because he final was a winger for like three years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think he's got the slight edge in an attacking sense, but I don't think it makes up for the edge that uh, Walker has defensively. Yeah. Plus, I like the fact that I've got three guys whose surnames begin with W in my midfield. <laughs> there you go. That does seem weirdly aesthetically pleasing. Um, I mentioned him earlier, and I couldn't believe I put him there. Obviously, it would have been Toby if he was fit, but uh, you might need to hold on to something. I have David Luiz in my team of the third season. Or team of the half season. He's playing in a back three. I just couldn't think of a right-sided center back that had been as important to, to the way a team plays as David Luiz. He's been really good, and everybody, including me, laughed in the summer. But like it was clear that he was if, if they were getting him, they had to go to a back three. The problem was they tried to play him in a back four to begin the season. Mm. Um, and then they tried to partner him with John Terry, which just, I mean, <laughs> you, might, you might as well take the guy's legs away. Um but since going to the three, I think I think he's been he's been excellent. He really has. Any, anybody for you? you? Oh wait, we're going through mine, and then you can tell me I'm wrong, and then we'll call it a day. Um, <laughs> Left sided center back, uh, another player that's kind of been let down by the people around him, which is shocking considering one of them just turned in a transfer request. Uh, Virgil Van Dyke, uh, e- easily the best left sided center back in the Premier League. Um, although I, I will say that Vertonghen has very much improved this year. And you were mentioning that Walker, we really got the sense of how good he is without Toby. A lot of people thought that Vertonghen's recent improvement had been because of Toby as well. But if it had not been for Vertonghen, our defensive uh, record would have been much, much worse. But People seem to forget how good Jan Vertonghen was in his first year at Spurs. He was in the team of the year. Yeah, and then they started messing around, sticking him at left back. Yeah. And it kind of like he was on the verge of leaving before. Yeah, Kobe he was going to go to Barcelona. They wanted him. He was yeah. going to go, and then they signed Vermaelen instead. Yeah, good, good, good move, Barcelona. Well done. <laughs> Is there like it's another podcast of the day? But my God, Barcelona have bought some shit over the last they few really years. Do you, you don't believe in Jeremy Mathieu? No, he's garbage. <laughs> he's absolute garbage. And they paid all that money for that uh, Andre Gomez for the muck, yeah. absolute muck. They've got Lucas Digne a left back who hasn't had a good season in about four years and he's only about 23, 24. Just terrible, terrible decisions. That's because Tajiki's at uh, 
city now, I suppose. Pretty um, much it. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, by the way. Uh, oh, man. We really don't have time to talk about this. Well, we'll, well let's try to do another thing soon about our actual teams. Just because we're already at an hour. Um, but anyway, I have Virgil van Dijk and I did have Danny Rose at left back. A gasp shock. Uh, and at the back, I have Tom Heaton. If you're not worrying about names and you're worrying about a half season of performance, yeah, what he and Michael Keane have done at the back there is insane. Well, where are they? They're, yeah. they're reasonably safe, if memory serves. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be fine. Yeah, and, and I think like, that's entirely. I think that is almost entirely down to them. Although uh, Andre Gray starting to score goals is just kind of like the cherry on the probably going to be safe top. But yeah, Tom Heaton. The midfield finally clicking with Stephen DeFore and Jeff yeah. Hendrick and that is really helping as well. Yeah, but um, Tom Heaton, hilariously first in saves. I think it's a good 20 before you get to Pickford, and then it's like another 20 before you get to anyone else. Um, yeah. just, just what we've seen from him this season has been insane. My back three are Cesar Aspilicueta, who I just think has been great. Um, I know he got he got done in the air for the two, the two Deli Alley goals, but... Um, I just think he's been brilliant this season. Um, I've gone for Virgil van Dijk in the middle of my back three. Um, I think he's been the best defender in the league this season. I, th- I think it's him or Toby who's the best natural centre-back. He can toss a coin. I'll take either of them. It still bothers me to this day that Liverpool could have had both of them for what we paid for um, for the pebble. <laughs> oh, my God. Like. You know, you could have bought your defence for the next six, seven years and had the best defence in England just with those two, and instead you bought a clown. Um, my left-sided centre-back in my back three is Nathan Aki, who I I just... Yeah, so I was impressive. so close to putting him in. I was so close. And then I was just like... The, the, the issue that I had was he has stood out for Bournemouth so clearly this season. Mm. And then I just... The, the hesitance was... Hesitancy. Was... Is that a good enough barometer? It's maybe not, but I, I still think his individual performances have been have just been really, really good. And because I'm playing a back three, like there's not many candidates I can go for. The best True. left centre back in the league by a mile is Van Dijk. Well, you know, off of the cap to Jan Vertonghen, who probably would have gotten in. But I, I just think I wanted to reward Aki because. Again, he's not Bournemouth. He's not exactly surrounded by top players. Yeah. And we're finally seeing who he should have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I genuinely think he'll be starting for Chelsea by the end of the season, um, now that they're bringing him back off the loan. I, th- I think he'll go back there and he'll improve Chelsea, which says quite a lot about how good he is. Um, my goalkeeper, you mentioned him. It's not, it's not Heaton, it's Jordan Pickford. Um, now He's out now for the rest of the season. But I, uh, maybe not the rest of the season. Actually, he might only be out for a month or two. But I, I just think he has been so, so good for Sunderland. I think they'd be dead and buried if it wasn't for him. Heaton, it was him or Heaton for me. Yeah. Um. But Michael Keane is having a really good season, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that helps Heaton by having one at least one really good. Uh, well, one player having a really good season in front of you. Yeah. I don't think any of the Sunderland players can claim to be having a good season. They've all disappointed. I was high on them all. coming up with, with Moyes coming over. I, and I, I just, thought the Gillibodji signing was good. Yeah, I just think Mo, Mo, uh, Moyes has made a mess of it. I mean, look, your right back should be Javier Manquillo. Jason Denier should be one of your centre-backs. Um, stop playing in, mid- in midfield. He's not a midfielder. He's a centre-back. 
Um, they have they have the talent there to have a decent defence. I just think Moyes has made a mess of it. The fact that John O'Shea is still starting for them is just is as laughable as the idea that John Terry should still be starting for Chelsea. He's finished. He's done. Put him out to pasture. Your only chance here is to put your faith in these younger players and hope for the best. All right, uh, we can kind of sidetrack there a little bit, um, but just to wrap up, uh, team of the year. So mine ended up being Heaton, Moses, Luis, Van Dyke, Rose, Adrissa Guy, Maddie Phillips, Payet, Mane, Hazard, and Alexis. And yours was Pickford, Aspilicueta, Van Dyke, Aki, Walker, Wijnaldum, Wijnyama, Alonso, and the same front three as you: Mane, Sanchez, Hazard. Yeah. Uh, the ones that were close for me, I mentioned, I think, throughout there, but just so you guys know, uh, Snodgrass, Costa, Ake, uh, Conte, Toby, and Dimitri. Oh, Dimitri Pike got in there. Oh, I left Lalana off, who I, I toyed with in central midfield and then just couldn't commit to because of, is it form or not? Um, uh, anyway, so at the beginning of the show, we said we'd talk about player of the year, manager of the year. We'll try to do that quickly. Um I don't think we're going to get to Tottenham or Liverpool stuff. That might just be a whole different day. But um, that's a whole different podcast. That's an hour long itself. That's that certainly is. Um, but uh, Player of the Year, I think we both said it earlier. I think it's Alexis, especially if mm. you view Player of the Year as MVP, which is a huge issue here in the states. Is does MVP mean best player or most important player to your team? But I think in either regard, it's still Alexis Sanchez. But if it's MVP, it's Alexis Sanchez, and then a huge drop off. Then guy. maybe Snodgrass. And then another huge drop off, and then anyone else. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think I think it's Sanchez, regardless of what what way you look at it, whether it's most valuable player or most outstanding player. I think it's I think it's Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, and we already covered him in the beginning, so that doesn't need to. <laughs> we don't really need to elaborate too much. Here's where manager of the year could get interesting. It could be super easy. It could just be me saying Conte and you saying Klopp. Uh, but I have a feeling you might want to get into it a bit more than that. No, I'm going to say it's Antonio Conte. Hey! Because his, his team are top of the league. Look, his team are top of the league. He took and... over late in the summer. The players that were brought in in the summer were not his players. I don't think he picked David Luiz. But he has made the best made out of what work. he was given. And when you look at a team being top of the league with David Luiz at centre-back, Gary Cahill in the team, Victor Moses as a wing-back, and they're top of the league, 13-game win streak, Antonio Conte gets my vote as, as manager of the half year. Jurgen Klopp is a close second. I think Pochettino would be third. Um, they'd be my top three, but I think Conte has to get the nod. Look, you're top of the league. People can say what they want about the money Chelsea has spent, but he took over late. He's done a great job. Took him a couple of weeks to get used to Premier League. Once he got his 3-4-3 in, different class. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And we've seen this from Conte before, which is why I think it's so easy to buy in. Uh, like Italy, talent-wise, had no yeah. business doing as well as they did at the Euros. And we've seen that here because uh, we talked about on your radio show um, that this Chelsea squad would not be able to fit into Conte's system. I thought they'd have to buy a lot. And literally, it was only buying Marcus Alonso. Because yeah. then putting Moses as your right wing back, then having Louise that you can play as your right side of center back in that three... Sometimes he drifts centrally, but mostly um, him and Cahill are there. It, it's just the fact that he found the pieces within this squad to mm. make his system work. And that 
and that the way he coaches his system, because it's not just a system. Everybody can say a manager has a system. But the way he coaches that system and is able to get the most out of everyone. Like, if if you t- told me in the preseason that Chelsea were going to run Matic and Conte, that's far too defensive. That, that would never work. But he's making it work. They dropped Willian, who was their best player last season. They dropped him for like yeah. three months. And now he's yeah. coming back in and making a difference. You know, just what he's been able but to do. But he's turned Pedro around. He has turned last Pedro season, around. Last season, people were saying Pedro was a flop. Yeah. Pedro's been excellent this season. He has. And he's one we should have mentioned talking about the front three. He's been excellent for Chelsea this he season. Has. But But he, he's tweaked his system because his system is, is 3-1-4-2. Yeah. It's not naturally a 3-4-3. But what he's done is rather than having an Andrea Pirlo dictate the game from a, a deep position, now he has Eden Hazard dictating the game from an advanced position. Hazard is dropping off um, and Costa and Pedro often become a two with Hazard yeah. in behind. So he's tweaked his system and he's made the right moves and he's developing the players he has. He's improving guys like Victor Moses that you know, everybody had written Victor Moses off, and nobody was like thinking Victor Moses was, was he going to play for Chelsea. Three straight years. Yeah, he was, and 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 it was a surprise that he wasn't sold in the summer. But I think, I think Conte has taken it upon himself to just work with these players and improve them. And I think, I think the only manager getting more from less is Klopp, mm-hmm. because I don't think Klopp has the talent at, at his disposal that Conte has. But what Klopp did have was he had most of last season and an entire preseason to get his method across to these players. Conte is doing it week by week. Mm. That's the thing. And people saying, oh, well, his 3-4-3 has been found out now because Spurs beat them. Well, no, not at all. You're going to lose games in this league. Only one team has ever gone unbeaten in the Premier League, and that's mm. Arsenal. Going to lose a game eventually. Also, we're uniquely game. qualified to match that. Exactly. You're the best defensive team in the league and you've got good attacking players. You can't beat Chelsea without a really, really good defence. Um, not not when they play this way. Um, and I think what will happen now is we'll just see Conte make a slight adjustment. It'll stay as a 3-4-3. Three, three. He'll tweak things. It won't be the shape. It'll just be how it works. And they'll they'll keep rolling. And I think I think you can't argue with him as, as manager of the half year. Yeah. Definitely agree with you there. All right, well, we uh, warned you that it might be long, and we've uh, basically cut a whole half of this show to get to this. Um, so uh, apologies if you had things to do, but you're welcome for all the terrific information, uh, especially from Dave, as always. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Um, so I'm on Twitter, at DaveHendrick underscore. Um, you can listen to my stuff on Anfield Index, on here. Um, on All In Sports Talk, which is where we're running the radio show while we're all fair for the MLS season break. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. I, I really like when we get to get in depth. Um, and even though it does run long, like I said, plenty of it, awesome information in there. And uh, I hope you guys listening at home enjoyed that. So thanks again to you, Dave, for joining us. And we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.